0: and how to leave a mark in this world after breaking through your next achievement. You are moments away from the aha you've been seeking.
1: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Success to Significance Life After Breaking Through Glass Ceilings. My guest today is Elizabeth Bachman. And let me take this opportunity to just introduce her real quickly. She is the go to person for advanced level uh, training in speaking, presentation skills, sales, and leadership. With a lifetime uh, spent perfecting the art of presenting, she helps high-level clients master a message that brings the the funding they need, the allies they want, and the recognition they deserve. She's a sought-after speaker and strategist in the Silicon Valley, nationally and internationally, and Elizabeth works with leaders and influencers who need to become conscious and compelling presenters. She helps them present as smart, down to earth, loose, friendly, even funny, and still be taken seriously. She is the host of the international podcast called "Speakers Who Get Results." Having spent 30 years directing some uh, such luminaries as Luciano. Oh my gosh, I should have read this really well. Luciano Pavar- Pavarotti, and I know he's a opera singer. And Placido Domingo, in more than 50 operas around the world, Elizabeth brings a wealth of tools to help business professionals become uh, respected presenters. She speaks uh, five fluent languages and... She has global experience, um, which brings global experience to her clients. Wow.
2: A whole mouthful. I'm having a hard
1: time speaking today
2: <laughs> whatever reason. I should have sent you the version with the with the pronunciation in it. Sorry about That's that. That's okay. No, no, no. Yeah. It's
1: fine. It's fine. I just feel bad because, you know, Luciano, uh, you know, I'm sure he's, I know he's really Luciano.
2: Big- Pavarotti.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, and I'm going, yeah, sure. <laughs> right, all those languages. <laughs> um, what are the five languages you
2: speak? You speak English, obviously. English, French, Italian, German, Spanish. Oh,
0: awesome. So I
2: started French early on because my grandmother spoke those five plus Latin, Greek, and a little bit of Japanese. So oh um, so she's got me beat. Uh, and I, I used to speak a little bit of Japanese, but um, I got I did a little bit of study and now I've forgotten most of it. There was a time in my life where I thought I was going to go back and forth to Japan and um, and then turned out I would go back and forth to Europe instead. Yeah, so yeah.
1: Well, I'm learning French. I learned four. I had four years of it in high school. Forgot it all. Understand it, you know, a little better than I can speak. It can read it much better. Speaking is a whole different deal, you know. And I'm working on it. Yeah. So I've been I've been taking um, lessons for now. I think eight months or so. So that's good to know.
2: Next time we talk,
1: <laughs> right? Well, yeah. I'll, I'll well, you know,
2: mine. just you just have to go to France and oh, I do. Just, I just, do just spend time. a month. Yeah, rent rent a rent a an a, apartment in Bordeaux, for instance, or in yes. some village. We work de- from like there because we can nowadays. You could work from there. Oh yeah, and uh, and just get to know your neighbors. Yeah, well, it I, when that- I was a student in Paris, I practiced um, a lot with. There was a market right outside the apartment we were in, out in the suburbs, and I practiced with the cheese lady. I yeah. got to the point and. <laughs> When I finally got to the point where she greeted me with a handshake, which yeah. means that she actually acknowledged I me too. as, you know, one of her, as somebody, you know, someone she wanted to talk to, that was a big deal. Yeah. The, the reaching over the counter to shake her hands every Saturday. Yeah. I was really proud of that. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, my
1: husband's French. He's French-Italian, so Mm -hmm. I have that going for me. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we go to Paris quite often, and it was funny because you and I were talking about this um, when we were speaking yesterday, you know, about traveling and, you know, like, you know, spending half your year one place, half the other place, and we're on the brink of that right now, and that's why I was asking that question. And one of the places we're looking at is Cassis because that's one of my favorite places in France. And, And what I've learned about going to Paris, because I live on the East Coast, Um, you know we can hop on a plane at 6 30 at night and be there at Uh 6 30 in the morning and it's so much easier than going to California and um, exactly or even Hawaii right and um, Mm -hmm. so we we go frequently frequently and I I can speak enough to to get by and then some but I know when I go into the outlying areas they don't speak English at all and so that's why we're looking for something that isn't there yeah Yeah. So really interesting about that. Well, okay. So we digress a whole bunch of rabbit holes there, but um, (laughs) (laughs) it's fun to talk about different languages. I absolutely love it. Um, So let's talk about, let's talk about you though, and what you really, really do, because I know that, um, you know, you work with women and, you know, you've got some really cool phrases that I'm going to buzz out here, but I, as I buzz these out, uh, you know I want I want you to share with us you know how you made this transformation from working in the opera world to feeling you know feeling like wow this is my calling to help people with their presentations as well and leaders with mm-hmm. their presentations but you know you have um some phrases you have is do you feel invisible that your presentation skills can't be heard that it's maybe just sort of the um uh the peanuts you know like the teacher want 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 yeah. Um, Go from boring to bravo, you know, which is definitely a bravo, you know, at the opera and and all of that. And, you know, the mistakes that people make and online presentations that wow people. Right. And um, I I think that, uh, you know, and I have a colleague, by the way, and I need to introduce you to her because she, well, she used to live in your neck of the woods. She now lives in uh, Texas, but uh, she was. Um, I'm horrible at this because I I love opera, but I don't know all the terminology. Uh, mm-hmm. She was the one with the the woman that had the horns, right? They had the horn.
2: She was like the oh yes, so so Brunhilde, yeah, yeah. Like she was a, yeah, a dramatic soprano.
1: Oh yeah, very loud voice, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I say, can you just do something? And I go, whoa, hold on. That <laughs> was loud. Uh-huh. Um, but she now is a body language strategist. Because Mm -hmm. that's how you speak, you know, when you're, when you don't understand the language, which a lot of times we don't understand when we're listening to speakers Mm -hmm. because they're the experts, right? And we're kind of learning from them. So we don't really understand their language, but being able to physically, you know, show pain or show love and joy, you know, is what she specializes in. So I imagine there's, there's some kind of connection here that, that you saw for Uh yourself you know that could penetrate uh, women leaders. So tell us how that happened for you,
2: how all that comes together. Well, you know, you've actually probably big, described the last mouthful. twenty years of my life. Longest um, question you've ever have, heard. Oh, that was it's a good way. So how we put it all together? I um, started as an actor. Realized in college that I was a better director than I was an actor. Hmm. And um, I'm an oldest child, so I'm kind of bossy anyway. That's When I told my sisters I was changing my major to directing instead of acting, they went, well, oh. duh, you boss everyone <laughs> around anyway. You might as well just give up and get paid for it. Right. Uh, and always loved languages and languages travel. And opera is where I found my artistic home and spent 30 years always as a freelancer, uh, a freelancer, except when I was a staff director at the Metropolitan Opera for 12 years. But I had a portfolio career from the very beginning and learned that it was an entrepreneurship career and you had to keep selling yourself. And and I, I, for a while it was fine. What I found, you talk about glass ceilings, is uh-huh. I hit the actual glass ceiling uh-huh. first in the late 90s, early 2000s, when I wanted to run an opera company, and I knew I'd be good at it. And my colleagues kept saying, oh, yeah, you'd be fabulous. Yes, any any company you run, I'll come sing. You bet. I would love to see you run an opera company. So I thought, great, great. And uh, these opportunities come around two or three times a year. I would apply. I got, would get to the the short list, you know, of the the top two or three, and then they'd hire a man. And I saw that over and over. What I recognized at the time was that, uh, what I recognized at the time was that when you are worried about money, and opera companies are always worried about money, um, the tendency is to trust a man before you trust a woman. But also the thing I didn't recognize until later, till I started doing the, the work I do now, is that I was marketing myself to the wrong people. I fell into that classic, the thing they call the tiara syndrome, where if you just sit back and do a good job, you will be recognized. You know, the handsome prince will come and sweep you away. I thought that being recognized and lauded by my peers was going to be enough. What it didn't occur to me until later was that the people who hire the general director to run an opera company are the board of directors. I should have been marketing myself to them and mm. speaking a language that they would understand and hear, which was a connection I didn't make until much later. So one of the reasons why I help women, women's voices be heard is because um I've made all those mistakes. I made all the mistakes myself. So, you know, hopefully help people not make those mistakes. The The rest of the story was I started an opera company myself, uh, learned a whole lot about being a boss and then ultimately came to the point where I realized if I didn't, I'd been doing it for 30 years, it was becoming a little routine and that I was in serious danger of no longer being moved by the music. I knew it too well, I knew it too much. The magical moments were just becoming work, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and you know. And if you're going to be in the arts, you've got to you've got to have those magical moments. So I took all that, put all that together, to start training, pre- doing presentation skills more than speaking. Speaking, I love helping someone do a speech. I love helping someone do a keynote. Or how do you? Um, how do you show up well on a panel, but it's also how do you communicate within your organization. And the thing that I recognized, um, starting from working on a Japanese opera back in the 80s, is that men and women speak different languages. We use Mm -hmm. the same words, but it's different languages. And what I now know, looking back, is that I would be speaking "quote unquote" weapons language. It's I don't actually call it that because it's it's not that cut and dried. But I realized that I was I was breaking rule number one of presentation, which was I wasn't adapting my message to the people who needed to hear it the people who could hire me and i didn't learn that until i started my own company and then um i had to speak to raise the money to to run it yeah yeah so well, it's yeah. all coming together all those various pieces
1: yeah so so let's dig into this just a little bit um so you said you know the biggest mistake uh and i know you've got some you've got three big mistakes right presentation mistakes that we're going to talk about mm-hmm. but but you said one of the biggest mistakes is not adapting your language to that of your audience so what what does that look like in the in the real world whether you're a speaker speaking on stage or whether you're um you know a leader le- trying to lead a team to a new product or service or you know, you're speaking to your management team, it doesn't matter who that is. But how, how does that lay out when, um, you know, let's say, like, I just got back speaking, you know, 5000 people. And it's hard for me to go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, okay, how many men, how many women I need to adapt, <laughs> right? adapt yeah. everything. So so how, walk us through how how that starts. Um, that being the number one biggest mistake, you know is not adapting. Walk us through that one and then we'll go to the next the next mistakes that people make when they're speaking to people because I know you've got an empathic approach to this and and maybe that's where the the woman language comes in as the the empathic
2: approach but we'll find out in a moment. Well, I call it strategic empathy. That's my one of my signature techniques and that is to know your audience, put yourself in the shoes of your listeners. Who are the ones you care about? So for you, you're speaking to five thousand people. If you're going to, um, then who are the ones you really want to reach? Mm-hmm. Who are the ones you're going to care about? If you want to be concise and clear for the sake of the people who are hearing the material for the first time, this is one of the things that gets into mistake number two, um, which is, too much how and not enough why. The temptation, because we know our materials so well, is to go into how to do what you want to do instead Mm -hmm. of why should it matter. Mm -hmm. So the strategic empathy is why should they care? On one hand, for the single focus, task-oriented people, you want to be clear and concise. That works for everybody. For the multi-focused people who think in terms of context and web, you want to add stories. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, in the stories, stories will illustrate your point. You give your point, and then you do a story to illustrate it, but keep it concise. Yeah. The the other trap that's easy to fall into is to ramble off into a long a long, 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 long story. I have people, uh, people in my family who do that. And I'm going, now, wait, where, what are you, what are you trying to say? What's the point? Yeah, I'm lost. Right. And I'm lost. Yeah. And you get lost. Yeah. yeah. Which is in a way, it's the way <clears throat> women, multi multi-focus people are trained to speak as children, as little girls. But it's not the way little boys are trained to speak or trained to listen. And then we grow up and we try to we can do rambling stories with friends, but in a business context, be clear and concise. Tell them why it matters. Yeah. What's you know, why why should they what should they be paying attention to? And then illustrate it with stories.
1: Yeah. I love that. And so that's okay. So point number one is just you know, being, being uh, focusing on the why and not the how it specifically for the person that you're trying to target in there. So it's not looking at the group and saying, okay, there's X amount of women, X amount of men. So now I'm going to change the way that I do something, you know, to, to get most of them, but it's also, it's also, you know, not staying so loose like that so that you're trying to t- attract everybody. It's isolating and letting people self-select out of what you're trying to do, right? So if it doesn't become their why, yes, exactly. they'll learn, but they're not going to learn. They'll learn, but they won't take action to work with you because they've self-selected out. But those those who you're speaking to and saying, you know, with my high-level clients or with those that, you know, take action or those that are at a ceiling and they're stuck and they want to go to the next level. Someone might not want to go to the next level. So, so now they're so, so it's the words you choose in there. The second is back up everything with stories so that, and be concise yep. in the stories. So have I missed the third
2: one? Did I, was that all blended? We haven't said the third one yet. Okay, good. <laughs> so I think of it as, I think it really as presentation falls into presentation skills generally falls into three categories you've got the strategy the script mm-hmm. those are the two we've talked spoken about mm-hmm. and then style your delivery style yeah. so how you deliver that um, and that going back to language one of the things nowadays is that particularly in the business world we are very international lots of people are now working with teams around the globe mm-hmm. and or it, say we're speaking English. So I'm fluent in five languages, but I teach in English mm-hmm. because that's the one I don't have to think about. And then the service I can offer is someone for whom English is their second or third language is is to help them address an audience in a way that they need to you know, Getting the English right yes. to to speak it better, to be clear, Mm -hmm. uh, to enunciate, to have clear diction. I learned that from 30 years with opera singers. Right. Uh, So your delivery style is tempo. I think of it as the melody of the message. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: One of the things people have been talking about for years is women who end their sentence with an up talk because everything sounds like a question, which is which depositions you, Yes, it makes you less than. And it is a strategy that is somewhere, somewhere our ancestors, ancestresses, our grandmothers taught girls don't be pushy, don't put yourself out there. And that's still there. Hmm. So that women often will speak in a tentative way and in a business context, Western business was built by men. So it it functions on the single focused task-oriented principles. And in the last decade or so, there's been a whole lot more about empathy and and emotional intelligence, which is which is the female side coming in. But mm-hmm. that's pretty recent. Yeah. It so is. the old we're dealing with centuries of habit. Mm -hmm. centuries of the men had one world, the women had another. And so, so these habits catch us and then you can sabotage yourself by the style, by your delivery style. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you say
1: that, Uh, you know,
2: Pennsylvania
1: just as a whole, the entire state of Pennsylvania, men and women alike speak like that. I don't know why this is like this, but it is. Um they say, "Do you want to go to the store?" Did mm-hmm. you like that? And they and they do this up this up tempo, you know, up uplifting or whatever you call it. They do that and it drives me nuts because my my uh grandchildren ha- are now picking it up. And it comes from their mother, uh-huh. not from my son, from their mother, but now he's starting to do this. And I'm mm-hmm. saying you know, I don't want to pick this up because it does sound kind of interesting. Now, it's funny because a lot of speakers will ask questions like, um, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. <laughs> versus... But that's a strategy. Am I making sense? Is this making yes. sense to you? And so that's really what yeah. you're talking about is eliminating that
2: that uptick on the end
1: of, the, of a question or a statement. Well, the uptick,
2: the, the uptalk... On uh the technical word I learned was up talk. Yeah. Is a when you use it when you're proposing your idea, when you're saying, mm-hmm. I think the team should do this, we need to pay attention to that. Um one of the other things, this is a tangent, so I'm going off on a tangent now. That's okay. Yeah. One of the things that <laughs> that uh single focus thinkers, again, that Western business was built on that, and it's great because that's how you get things done. Mm-hmm. Saves you time. It's how you go on, get the task finished. But it also leads to tunnel vision. Mm-hmm. And if you ever look up the the uh, statistics of how many businesses fail or say how many tech projects fail, it's something like 67%. It's a really terrifyingly large number. The multi-focus people are the ones who notice the side issues that the single focus people are too focused to notice right such as uh before we put it, all this money into creating a new product, did you know that our our competitors already have something out there and mm-hmm. it's not as fancy as yours as the, the idea you have, but it works. Why should we reinvent the wheel um? Now, if you said that, did you know our competitors already have a product?
1: Mm, mm, It kind
2: of of does the same thing yours does. You're never going to be heard. And then the tunnel vision people will go in. They'll spend hundreds of dollars and thousands of dollars, hundreds of hours to create something that they can't sell. Happens over and over and over again. Wow. That's a case where using strategic empathy and speaking a language that, uh, this is a real case that happened to a client of mine, <laughs> and I had to coach her through it, to speak to the people who had the great idea. Um, the the yeah. wonderful Jennifer Cohen talks about don't being romanced by technology. And there was the CEO was really excited by this fabulous idea he had. Which was going to reinvent the wheel and um, and my client had to figure out, try to talk him out of it. And he actually fired her for oh, being wow. negative. Wow. moved her to a different project product, fired her from that project and they, you know, and they lost half a million dollars over right. the course of a year with this, she'd been right, but nobody cared because she didn't tell him in a way he could hear. Yeah, very. So, yeah, that's, that's the sort of situation that I do my best to correct. Yeah. Or to help people to give people the tools to communicate that important information. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Because, um,
1: you know, I think about uh, you and I were talking about this yesterday, too, you know, being overlooked for promotions and whatnot as a woman, you know, early on in my career, you know in the mortgage business because you know it was very heavy, heavily you know man's world. Um, and I was a token woman in the in it. And I, mm-hmm. I just the way you were saying that, I remember saying one time, well I'm as good as he is. <laughs> uh-huh. And I never got what I wanted until I went in and I told you this yesterday when I went in with facts and figures. Yeah. We're gonna get down to the nitty gritty here. This instead of I'm just as good as he is, you know, going in and saying this is exactly what I've produced and this is what they've produced. So tell me why I'm not being promoted, and and I got the yeah. promotions right. Just just a, a different tonality. I'm still me. It's just a different tonality. Um, yeah,
2: you know, in it's, that it's speaking a language that they will hear and understand. Yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely. And I have so many clients. Who are in that in that position of being the problem solver, the fixer, taken for granted. And then a man gets gets the glory and yeah. the promotion. Yeah. Whereas the woman's done all not just the woman, where the team has done all the work. Yeah. Part of that is also how do you talk about what you're good at in a way that is not bragging, but does make the point. Uh, I have a whole course about that called the Visible and Valued program, where how you become visible and valued by talking about what you're good at, without without bragging, because women aren't supposed to. But the thing is, if you don't, someone else is going to step into the vacuum and claim yeah. the credit for the work you've done. Happens every day. Yeah,
1: and it could be another so, one
2: who just is better at. Yeah. Too, and I think we need to
1: understand that. So, I here's my question. We, yeah. My uh, one of my last questions as we kind of wrap up our time is, um, you know, as a speaker, and I and I hear this from both men and women. Uh, you know mm-hmm. that people come up after you speak and say, "Oh, I was so inspired. That that put me to tears. Um, that was so great. It was the best." In fact, I just heard this um, the other day. You know, I learned more from you in 45 minutes than I've learned with my coach in two years. Okay. Mm -hmm. Great accolades, great compliments, all those wonderful things. But when you talk about strategic speaking for results, give us us a tip on how to get over that or break through that glass ceiling of, thanks for the compliments, but are you going to work with me?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So part of it is to uh, sometimes if you're doing it live, just have a card to say, reach out, say, um, make an offer. You can't do that with a keynote. You can do it in a workshop or in a networking group. And you could say, I'd I'd love to hear more. If you could say, so what was it? I'd -hmm. love to hear more about that. Mm -hmm. Here's my card. Let's talk. Yeah. Here, Here, give me your card uh, often what I will do in a networking event, I, when I first rebranded as strategic speaking for results, my graphics person had made this super fancy card full of colors and there was no place to write. So I now have a card that's very simple, lots of white space so that I can write, talk to me about this problem Mm -hmm. and hand them my card to say, you know, uh, without saying I can help or I can sell it to you. But, um, also collecting make sure that the host the, the host of the event is collecting feedback yes mm-hmm. you can you, you can do that electronically nowadays and it's worth the investment so yeah. collect feedback one of the great ways to do it is to say i know either i know somebody who needs this information uh you know contact me about so and so or I know a place where you could speak. Let's have a conversation. The key is to have the conversation. Yeah. yeah. Because afterwards you can find out what it was that they liked. Yeah. So if you can sell a conversation, um, you can always, you can also, if you have a product to sell or a book, you can sell the book, get them on your mailing list, et cetera, depending on what it is for what I do. It's so individualized and so specific for each person that I want to get them on a conversation to find out what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, so and that's that's, what we did. Lots of tools like that. Yeah. yeah.
1: And that's what I did um, with her. And we're actually talking, she, she's like, I think I need a new coach. And I said, okay, well, let's have a conversation see if this works for you and, and for me both, you know? And I think that's an yeah. important piece of it. So um, there's so much that you offer. There's so many things that people could, could reach out to you for. What is, what is the number one Thing that for someone who's listening to this says, you know, it, yes, you can do a lot of a plethora of things. We can find that on your um, website, which is elizabethbachmancom Elizabeth forward slash speaking. Um, and it has a lot of information about the different topics that you speak on. And we'll have the, that in the show notes as well. But, but if you could isolate this into one thing that you love to do, that if someone's listening, they know someone, they can find the person or they are the person who need that help. What is that one thing you uh, just love to do? It's your
2: 80 20, right? Everybody has it. Yes, yeah yeah. well, <laughs> first of all, connect with me on LinkedIn because I update that a lot more often than I update the website at, so that you can see the various uh, services I offer. and then I do um on my I do a video every Wednesday, where five, a five minute tip. So you can sign up for the speaker tips. That's usually the best way to do it is sign up for um, speaker tips. It's free and uh, doesn't go forever. It's just enough. Give you little tips on how to be a better presenter Uh, and scroll through the list of the, the video nuggets, I call them and see, see if there's something that, uh, you know, how do you how to not be afraid of a question and answer session, how to speak on a panel, how to deal with a micromanager, things like that. There's there are lots of topics Beautiful. out there. And uh, yeah, yeah, and you know, so it's, it, and it's always
1: like that. Um, you know, when the when the student's ready, the teacher will come. And so if you go, especially on YouTube, because I know you have a YouTube channel as well, and you can look at you know some of the things, oh, this is exactly what I needed today. And more than likely she already has it there for you. so that's wonderful. Yeah. Okay, hey, Elizabeth, what would you like to leave us with? For those that are listening, what would you like
2: to I'll leave us a quote, a, you know, a mantra, yeah. a thought. Okay, here's a mantra for you. Anytime you're making a presentation for which you want a result, whether it's uh, within an organization or if it's in a networking group or if you're speaking on stage, any of it, it's always a sales call. So it's a sales conversation. I like to think of it as as an enrollment conversation. Mm -hmm. You want to be exciting, compelling, because sales is like sex. Nothing happens till somebody gets excited. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So there's your mantra. I love it. I love it.
1: I absolutely love it. That's wonderful. Well, thank you again, Elizabeth, for joining us today.
0: Thank you, Uh, I I learned
1: so much. Thank you. So I I learned, this is why I do podcasting, because I learn. I always take notes. I always learn something. um, Appreciate uh, the wisdom that you gave to us. And, you know, all of the resources that you're providing to us as well, I think are are absolutely wonderful. So we'll have all of that in the show notes for all of you. Again, Elizabeth, thank you for having, uh, for coming here on the show with us today. Thank you, Jen. Absolutely. So a reminder, everybody, just... Take a second and scroll, use that thumb and scroll down and give us a great five-star rating. Write a comment, write a review for us, something that you learned from Elizabeth that you are going to put into action to help you break through your glass ceiling. And don't forget, subscribe to us and follow us on YouTube as well, where you can see us talking rather than just hearing us talking um, and learn more about the podcast. With that, I say have a fantastic day and thank you so much for joining us.
0: You've been listening to Success to Significance with Jen DuPlessis, the number one podcast for people wanting to give more value and make an impact. Loved this episode? Be sure to subscribe right now at www.jenduplesis.com slash s2s for more stories, strategies,